Egyptology. I thought, that's pretty accurate. I mean, she got everything except um, that the P is silent. So that's a big word. Um, that's a big one for even some of us. So uh, we're just going to jump into this. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this study, um, they're so long in between each one. You know, if you're going through a book or something like that, it's kind of hard to keep up. But with a subject like this, it's, it's pretty easy. You, know, you can just go from one thing and then we're going to go to another and another and another. And so we'll, we'll work our way through. Um, we're going to talk mostly tonight about the person uh, of the Holy Spirit. And then as we go through the study, we'll begin to talk about a lot of the works of the Holy Spirit as well. So first, right off the bat, like I said, that's a pretty big word. So what does that mean? Well, pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit and his works. Uh, it's derived from a Greek word that means spirit or breath or um, wind. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of different uh, definitions that you can pull out of it, but it really just means it's just a big fancy word to say the study of the Holy Spirit. It's one division of uh, theology in which we focus in on the third person of the Trinity. So as we think about that, Brother Drew prayed in his prayer um, I'm going to get to some of the purpose for this right away, and then we'll get into this more as we go through the study. But um, when he prayed, and I'm very glad he prayed this, and many of you do this when we ask you to pray on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, he said, please be with Brother Andy as he teaches. Well, if he's not, then we're all wasting our time. Okay, so without, there's a Charles Spurgeon quote. I almost put it on this slide, and I chose not to, but there's a Charles Spurgeon quote. He said this. He said, Without the Holy Spirit, we are like ships without sails and ships with no wind. So, we, you know, that's not very useful for people <laughs> if it doesn't have any way to drive it or you know, any direction. So uh, we definitely need the Holy Spirit. Um, there's also another quote, and this one I don't like as very much, but uh, kind of before we jump into this, kind of give you an idea about this, Brother Nathan mentioned this. He said, you know, this is the one that is kind of, um, not as well known. Well, J.I. Packer said this. He said, the, the Holy Spirit is the shy one of the Trinity. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> that's, that's almost, that, that's going too far for me. Um, but I think what he meant by that was, um, in our reckoning and looking at the three persons of the Trinity, probably the most unfamiliar to us. And, and you're going to get a chance to weigh in on that in just a minute. So as we go through the study, I do want it to be uh, very informal. It's not a sermon. It's not um, that, that's not what we're doing. This is a study. So if you have questions, you know, in your mind, keep those and, and we'll try to address them as we go through. So this study of, of the Holy Spirit and his person and works, um, a lot of Christians are very uninformed about the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's even reflected in the scriptures. Um, uh, the Apostle Paul, you remember in Acts 19, uh, he went uh, up to these, these men and and it, it did say they were disciples, um, but he went up to these men and he said, um, do you know about the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't, we don't even know if there's such a thing, right? We don't even know what you're talking about. And that's the rebaptism scripture in, in text. And, and so he educated them more and then they were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which they had not been done before. Um, they were baptized under John's baptism. And, and then he um, explained things to them better. So we don't want to be in that boat. We don't want to not know anything about one of the three equal members of the Trinity. So as we think about that, I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. This is not, we're not going to have a pop quiz. 
but this is a little activity that I want you to do. So you can share with the people right around you if you want to. Um, the first one is just really you personally, but then secondly, um, I want you to think about, we're going to take a couple of minutes. If you've got something to write on or if not, just kind of think of them in your mind. Write down as many names for the Holy Spirit as you can think of. So how, does the, how do the scriptures refer to the Holy Spirit? And don't use Google. And don't use your Bible app. Don't use your um, search on your uh, Bible app. Just off the top of your head, how many can you come up with? How many names of the Holy Spirit do you just know, well, I know in the Bible it does refer to him this way. This will be interesting for us to see. So take, take just a minute or two and see if you can come up with names there. Probably should have told everybody to bring paper and pencil. If you don't have it, it's not, it's not that big a deal. Think of them in your mind and keep a list. <coughs> I hear a lot of whispering going on. People know some of the names, evidently. Sister Regina's cheating. She's asking another pastor. Yeah, that's good. All right. If you're still going, you can just add to them as we go. So as we think about that, how many on the first question, how many ranked God the Son as number one? Uh, that's that's I think that's probably most people's answer you would say the one that we probably feel like we know the best that we hear the most about especially because of the gospel um, we, we hear a lot about God the Son um, anybody have anything different than that all right secondly how many people had God the Father for number two pretty much everybody right okay and then that puts the Holy Spirit where dead last <laughs> third place um, so you can see one of the reasons why we might want to do this study is it does help sometimes to zero in on something that maybe just in the course of preaching through books and things like that that we might not hear as much about. I think that's probably true of almost all Christians. They would probably say that the one that they're most familiar with is, is Christ or the Word or the God the Son, and then God the Father second, and then the Holy Spirit. I think another reason for that before we go further is that there's a lot of confusion even among a lot of Christians, about the Holy Spirit. It's um, in our area, let's just go ahead and pull this Band-Aid off. In our area, there is a very prominent denomination that you don't see in a lot of other parts of the country that we have a lot of here, the Pentecostal uh, group, and they have completely different mindset and different ideas about the Holy Spirit and um, his relationship uh, to God's people. So, there's a lot of confusion about that, and I think because of that, people shy away from the topic altogether. It's, well, that's really complicated, so I'm just, I'm just going to stay away from it. So the next thing I wanted to do is we're going to look at just historically 
what, what has the Baptist of the past said about the Holy Spirit? Well, there's not a chapter in the 1689 Confession of Faith just on the Holy Spirit, but there is one on the Trinity. So of God and the Holy Trinity is chapter 2. And in the third paragraph of that, we read this. In, the divine, in this divine and infinite being, there are three subsistences, the Father, the Word, or Son, and the Holy Spirit. Of one substance, power, and eternity, each having the whole divine essence, yet the essence undivided. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son. All infinite, without beginning, therefore but one God, who is not to be divided in nature and being, but distinguished by several peculiar relative properties and personal relations, which doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God and comfortable dependence on Him. Now, that is difficult language. <laughs> so you're just hearing me read that. I hope it helps that you can actually see it up there um, as I'm reading it. But it's difficult language. So what is the primary and anybody can answer this. What is the what would you say is the primary thing that this teaches us about the Holy Spirit? What what I mean, just right off the top, this is one thing that this is telling us about the Holy Spirit. Anybody? What's that? Okay, eternal, but bigger picture than that even. Right, that he's God. Did Brother Kevin say that? Yes. That he's God. So that he is part of the trinity that he is god so what sister rebecca said is one of the attributes of that that he's eternal so this is basically teaching us that part of the trinity you have the father the son and the holy ghost and it goes a little deeper than that but that's the the primary lesson there so as we think about that um let's start going through some of these names so how many people put down just the spirit all right the spirit so the Spirit is one name that you will see in Scripture about uh, the Holy Spirit. His divine nature, for God is a spirit, uh, John 4.24. That is, it expresses the mode of His subsistence in the Trinity as proceeding from the Father and Son in a um, mystical, incomprehensible manner. It's hard for us to understand the Holy Spirit. It's like I said, you're going to hear me say that a lot as we go through this, but... Um, God is a spirit. And so when it says the spirit, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, which is one, one person in the Trinity. Uh, he is declared by um, the Lord to proceed from the Father. Jesus said that he proceeds from the Father. He is called the spirit of the Son uh, in Galatians 4, 6, and the spirit of Christ, um, Romans 8, 9, and is sometimes um, the Father is said to send him, and sometimes the Son in John 14, 26, and John 16, 7. So the Spirit is mentioned all through the Bible. That's one of the, the very basics. And then we add one word to that. How many people had the Holy Spirit? I already gave you that one, so it's in the title. So if you didn't get that one, um, that's minus 10 points. Uh, but the Holy Spirit, uh, to... When we, when we add that word to it, what does that mean? Well, that indicates that he is um, eternal and essential holiness of his nature. That's what it indicates, the eternal and essential holiness of his nature. He is holy. 
Uh, God said he is holy, and that, therefore that means that the Spirit of God is holy, that's distinct from an unclean spirit. Um, God is absolutely holy, and he declares that of himself. I, the Lord your God, am holy, Leviticus 19.2. And the Son is called the Holy One of Israel. Uh, the Holy One of Israel. And so, uh, in respect to the infinite holiness of his divine nature, um, what, do we, what do we hear about in Revelations and in other places, um, in Isaiah 6-3 and other places in Scripture? How is God described in his holiness? What do the seraphim say in heaven over and over and over again? They say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Did you know that that's teaching you something about who God is? God the Father is holy. God the Son is holy. God the Spirit is holy. The Lord God Almighty. He is one God, but He is holy in all of His persons. So even, even the worship of angels teaches us about who God is and the essence, the divine essence of God. Now, another one. This is one nobody may have got. The good spirit. Anybody get that one? Did you know that the Bible says it's the good spirit? That one's a little different. Um, uh, he is called the good spirit in the Psalms and in Nehemiah. Uh, this just talks about that, um, a little bit about his character, about who he is. God is good, and this Holy Spirit is good. Um, he is, um, he has the attributes of God in his uh, kindness, tenderness, pity, compassion, uh, his bounty, all of those things. So we say that he is good. So he is called the good spirit. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that one. That one's kind of a, a different one. Some, some people might have got this one. Anybody get the spirit of truth? That's, that's in the Bible in, in more than one place. So the spirit of truth, it's called that three times by the Lord, by Jesus Christ in his farewell discourse to the disciples, starting in John 14, going all the way through John 16. Uh, he bears this title as supremely possessed of truth, as containing it in himself as a divine fountain. So the Holy Spirit doesn't, uh, in essence, learn the truth or have to be taught the truth. He is the truth. And so he is the spirit of truth. And that's a really important one when you think about when we get to some of the works of the Holy Spirit, that's going to be really important, that he's the spirit of truth truth that he will lead us into truth so he illuminates the truth in all of his communications he reveals it in the scriptures he applies it to the heart he seals it uh, all of those different things that the, the scriptures teach us about what the spirit does he is the spirit of truth Amen. yes absolutely truth and the life Right, one of his attributes that that permeates all, and we're gonna we are gonna talk about that a little bit later. We don't think a lot of times about all the attributes of God in the Holy Spirit. We do think about them a lot with God the Father and God the Son, but not with the Holy Spirit. So that's right. Uh, this one, some people may have got. I, I was hoping a lot of people would get this one. Uh, the New Testament, he's called the Comforter. So he's called the Comforter as he consoles and and comes alongside the tried and the tempted and the distressed and afflicted children of God um, by bringing peace to them, revealed 
revealing to them the Son of God and His beauty and blessedness uh, in His glory, applying the promises of God with unction and power to the Spirit, uh, taking the things of Christ and showing them to their soul, shedding the love of God abroad in their heart, it says, sealing them to the day of redemption. So He is the Comforter that is, was promised to come when Christ ascended to the Father. And then the last one is the Advocate. This one, probably nobody got. <laughs> Anybody get that one? Probably nobody got that one. It's, it's really very similar to the, the word, uh, that same word that is used for comforter. But it, it's, it is a little bit different, and it has the idea of, if you remember in, in Romans 8 especially, where it says that he intercedes for them with groanings which cannot be uttered. He's our advocate in that sense that even when you don't know what to pray for or, or how to seek uh, God's face for something, uh, he, can, he can do that with groanings which cannot be uttered. So he is also our advocate. And I know most of the times we think of Christ as our advocate, and that's not wrong, uh, but the Holy Spirit is also named to be our advocate as well. So now we're going to kind of get out of all of this big, huge general stuff, and we're going to start on the specifics. And we've already talked about them, so this should, should be relatively easy to go through. And we're going to start with the two biggest but easiest probably um, attributes about the Holy Spirit that we need to understand, the essential truths about the Holy Spirit. So two essential truths about the Holy Spirit. And this is what we'll focus on for the rest of the night. And like I said, we'll try to be quick. Yes, sir. I just wanted to uh, point out that uh, there was a, there was a mistranslation uh, that took place mm -hmm. when the writers of the King James Version they used the word for for the Spirit as itself. Well, that right. was a mistranslation. That's right. It should have been himself. That's right. So you know that's really going very wrong with you saying. But I just wanted. To Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. So, so what he's talking about there is it has to do with this right here. Yeah, that's right. The Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not some mystical power or something like that. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force. So in, when, when that was translated that way, that's not really proper. should have been, instead of itself, himself. Um, so in a personal pronoun, that should have been um, the translation there. So these two essential truths are first, that the personhood of the Holy Spirit, and then secondly, uh, what we've already talked about quite a bit, and you can't talk about the Holy Spirit without making sure you're, you're right on this, which is that the Holy Spirit is not a creation of God. The Holy Spirit is God. So the deity of the Holy Spirit. That, that's really what that is. Uh, that second one is that the Holy Spirit is God himself. So we're going to look at both of those. The first one is the Holy Spirit is a person. So um, exactly what Brother Paul just said. <laughs> I could have just quoted him instead of looking at all this up in systematic theologies. But um, far too often we do hear people talk about the Holy Spirit as an it, uh, not a who. So one reason why this is the case is that the nature of the Holy Spirit is working to bring glory to Jesus Christ. So 
Why, in other words, I'm not justifying that, but I'm telling you one of the reasons why that sometimes it's easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is exalting Christ. He is all about bringing to us the truth about who God is, which he is part of, which he is uh, himself, not part of, he is God. Uh, but the focus there is a lot of times on Christ. So uh, the Spirit possesses the same divine attributes as do the other members of the Trinity. Uh, even as we speak of the Father as a person, the Son as a person, we also must speak as the Holy Spirit of the Holy Spirit as a person. Amen. So this is an interesting thought. You know, when we talk about um, even in our hymns and things like that, I think it is important for us to do exactly what Brother Paul just did. You know, we need to make sure that we are um, singing and saying and and all of those things, things that are actually true. So if if you hear a praise and worship song and it talks about the, the Holy Spirit as it or, or anything like that, that's that's wrong. That's false doctrine. That is not good at all. That's not even Christian doctrine. Uh, so we need to be really careful about that. And, and and it can be done intentionally. I'm not one who goes around, you know, trying to correct everybody if somebody um, makes a mistake. But it, it, it is something that's important that we need to understand that he is the third person of the Holy Trinity. So one passage that supports this, let's go to John, uh, John chapter 14. And John chapter 14, verse 16 So as you can tell, as we've already kind of gone through this, we've mentioned several scriptures through, but we haven't really nailed down. So that's what we want to do now. Where does it say in the Bible this truth that the Holy Spirit is a person? Well, in, in John 14, 16, we have the words of Christ. He says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus doesn't say, I'm sending something different from me that's a, it's a force that's coming. He says there's a person coming. He is coming. Another comforter. So another uh, counselor uh, might be another translation. Another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus calls him comforter. He treats him as a person, not a force. Uh, when he calls him another comforter, he means he will be a comforter like me. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a comforter like Jesus is. He is a person. And then in 1526, let's turn over same same book, John 1526. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father... He shall testify of me. Those words are important. Each word in that is very important. And, and once again, we have Christ himself referring to the Holy Spirit as a person. And he gives us a lot more detail in that one than we're going to come back to later uh, for other reasons. And then in John 16, 7, turn over one more time, one more chapter. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So once again, Jesus refers to him 
as a person, not, not, a, not a force. So uh, the Holy Spirit is not described merely as uh, someone who is going to, and I think this is also very important in, in John 14, 26, if you go uh, back to chapter 14, uh, you don't have to turn back there. We just read that text. But the, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. So he is described as a teacher. And, and that's really important. Um, he's not just a force. He is a teacher. When he comes, when the comforter comes, I shall send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness to me. So he's a witness. So if you were sitting in a courtroom and you needed a witness, you don't want a force, right? You want a person. You want, you want a witness. You want someone who can be a witness. So uh, lest we think that the Spirit is also just extending the teacher or an extension of the teaching of the Father and the Son, John 16, 13. So in John 16, if you're still there, going down to verse 13. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, there's one of our names for the Spirit, the Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So when we look at that, he, the Holy Spirit is going to teach. He's not just, extend, he's not just an extension of the teaching of the Father or of the Son. Uh, he is a teacher himself. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. So the Spirit is not treated as a force or, or something that is just coming from the Father and the Son, um, some influence or activity of another person, but as a person in his own right, hearing from the Father and the Son and teaching and bearing witness to men about the Son. Uh, so that's, that's an essential part of the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is a person. I'm going to be honest with you. This is probably one of the difficulties uh, for a lot of Christians is that we really don't view the Holy Spirit as a person. Uh, and, and that's something that we really need to have correct in our mind. I think the second topic that we're going to go over, I think we all, at least for the most part, I think we all understand that the Holy Spirit is God. Um, but even with that, uh, we kind of have a mixed up idea about, um, about him being a person and an equal part of the Trinity. Uh, when we say equal, we mean equal. <laughs> they are equal. Uh, and, and so I think a lot of times we don't think of that in our minds in that way. So the Holy Spirit is a person. Now the challenge is going to be, these are, these are the very basics, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this, as we begin to start going through this and we start talking about the works of the Holy Spirit in illuminating scripture and in regeneration and in conversion and in sanctification and in all of the other ways that the Holy Spirit works in the lives of believers, let's not forget this. That in all of that, when, when Christ says that the Holy Spirit lives in you, it's a person. It's not just some force. It's not some mystical um, thing that you get and lose and get and lose that makes you get emotional um, during a church service. Um, that, that's not what's under consideration. It is a person of the Trinity that Christ said, when I leave, he's coming. And, and it's going to be different, but he is one. He's a person of the Godhead. So very important for us to kind of remember these things as we go forward with our study. Now, the second thing is the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit himself is God. So when you talk about this truth, when you add this second truth about the Holy Spirit, 
like I just said, that really becomes even more precious to you when you think about him as a person and then you think that that person that we're talking about that isn't a distinct person is God. Uh, it, it, he is God himself. The Holy Spirit is God. The person who indwells and leads and purifies is no less than God himself, the Holy Spirit. So that, that's just an amazing thought. You know, there's, there's so many of those when we study the Bible but that's got to be right up at the top with some of the, the most amazing ones that creatures that God created can be indwelled by God himself. It's different than almost every other religion on the planet that we believe that God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit dwells within his people. While, and so then I say this on your slide there about the evidence. And I don't want you to think that there's not evidence. But So read the whole sentence. It says, while there's not much biblical evidence for the deity of the Holy Spirit um, as there is for the deity of Jesus. So when you talk about volume in the scriptures, there's volume upon volume upon volume about the deity of Christ. There's not as much about the deity of the Holy Spirit. That's just a fact. But don't let that discourage you from the fact that there is evidence. And it is clear. Uh, it is knowable. Um, it, it would be a mistake to think that it's not clear or decisive. Uh, the Bible is very clear about the deity of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to start with one that's just real easy to see and understand. It's in a situation, and it's a situational thing. It's not just direct, but it's very crystal clear for us to see. So go to Acts chapter 5, <coughs> verse 3 and 4, and we'll read probably something you're very familiar with, um, story of... Ananias here, but Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Okay, there's premise number one. So who did, who did Peter say that Ananias lied to? The Holy Ghost. All right, so let's proceed. He lied to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto who? God. So Peter said, you lied to the Holy Ghost, therefore you lied to God. It's, it's a very easy logical connection here that Peter is saying, you lied to the Holy Ghost and therefore you lied to God because the Holy Ghost is God. Like I said, it's not direct but very easy to understand and very decisive and easy to see that Peter believed that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is God. To lie to the Holy Spirit is to lie to God. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, uh, you, don't, you don't have to turn there. If you want to, you can. Paul tells us that the Spirit who indwells us is God's Spirit. So, therefore, it is God. The Spirit that dwells in you is God's Spirit. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, again, same thing. At the very least, both of Paul's comments are indirect assertions of the deity of the Holy Spirit because he says it is God that lives in us, and then he said it's the Holy Spirit that leads in us. Another simple evidence for uh, the Spirit of God uh, being God himself is because he was not created. Uh, so the Holy Spirit was not created uh, kind of gave that away that was actually a typo on that slide that wasn't supposed to say that so I gave it away early uh, earlier on the previous slide but uh, he's not created he is eternal with the father and son the Holy Spirit is eternal with them both because according to Romans 8 9 through 11 the spirit of Christ is one and the same with the spirit of God 
So there's significant evidence for the deity of the Holy Spirit found also in the Old Testament. So we're going to look at just a couple of those in Isaiah 63.10. If you just want to write these down, you can go back and, and look at them later. Isaiah speaks of the Spirit of God as he does... Um, as, as being God and, and the psalmist in Psalm 95 9 also speaks of the Holy Spirit as God in Hebrews 3 7 through 9 the author of Hebrews attributes the words spoken by God in Psalm 95 to the Holy Spirit so he says therefore as the Holy Spirit says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test for 40 years that Old Testament prophecy there uh, that was the words of God, the author of Hebrews attributes that to the Holy Spirit. He said that's the Holy Spirit that was speaking through the prophet. So you, you get connections in, in different parts of the scripture. So like we said, um, I, if we were studying the deity of Christ, I could take you to verse after verse after verse in every book of the New Testament and we could go, but there are there is the evidence there, there is the scriptural proof that the Holy Spirit is, is God. Get in and, and dig into it and compare Scripture with Scripture. Uh, throughout the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit is said to possess divine attributes. That's another way that we know. So instead of just saying it directly, uh, we can also see that um, the Holy Spirit is said to possess divine attributes. In Genesis 1, um, 1 and 2, we read that the Spirit of God, what? Moved upon the face of the waters. So He was there in creation uh, so we, that talks about his eternality he was there uh, when everything was made uh, john and paul both attribute the work of creation to the son who is the true and eternal son of god uh, so too moses assigns the work of creation to the holy spirit uh, so we have uh, both of those things proving their deity in psalm 33 6 the psalmist states that the holy spirit uh, which is the word there is used as the Hebrew word for the breath of God creates all things. As the Son is eternal, so too is the Holy Spirit with God before all things were created. In Job 33, 4, once again, if you want to, just write these down because we're running out of time. Definitely go back and look them up and, and read. I'm just giving you the summaries. In Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God hath made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Same word there used uh, for the Holy Spirit. As the Father and the Son are said to give us life, so too does the Holy Spirit. Um, but also, not only does the Holy Spirit give us physical life, but then we learn in the New Testament in John chapter 3 that there's another kind of life that we also get from the Holy Spirit, which is spiritual life. So God, He is the uh, instrument of regeneration. We believe in Holy Spirit regeneration. So we believe that it's the Holy Spirit that gives us spiritual life. And we're going to get into all of that later on. So I know this is kind of shotgun, just throwing it all out there. But uh, just write these texts down, and I promise you we're going to go back and unpack each one of these things. So the Scriptures mention other divine attributes of the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit is the author of our sanctification, 1 Peter 1, 2. He seals unto the day of redemption. That's Ephesians 1. 13 and 14 and ensures that the work of God has begun and will reach completion in us and that's in Ephesians chapter 4 so it is through the Holy Spirit that the prophets and apostles spoke uh, this is another way that we know uh, that he is deity first Peter 1 11 Peter proclaims uh, that 
as holy men of God, they were, the words basically mean they were carried along, they were brought along by the Holy Spirit. So when you read your Bible, the reason we're able to have this study tonight and have an objective source of truth that we can turn to in the Holy Scriptures is because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is breathed the Word of God out through men who wrote, who wrote down what we have today in the Bible. So the whole reason we're even able to have this study tonight and open the Word of God written by men is because it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So that is a very quick kind of blast approach to both of those truths. So this is the last thing, and then I'll open it up for any questions that you have. So why are we studying this topic? Well, one of the problems with a lot of the doctrinal error that we have today is a lack of understanding and or acknowledgement of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, particularly in soteriology. So I've already mentioned one of those things. Um, I'm very thankful that when I, when I preached something like this 15 years ago, I would have had to tell you that there's very few people who believe in immediate regeneration, and there's very few people who really understand that the Spirit of God must act first, that, that regeneration precedes faith. That's really changing, um, and I'm, I'm really thankful for that because that's the truth. But a lack of understanding of the Holy Spirit's role is, is I think, um, it's just detrimental, and, and it has been. And, and I'm just going to go as far as saying, especially among our people, the primitive Baptists, it has been detrimental in not understanding exactly the importance of that and, and really even giving it credence altogether. And we'll unpack this a lot more fully in later study, but the primary role of the Holy Spirit in the salvation of the people of God is the application of redemption. And there are so many now that don't even believe that that has to happen or does happen or uh, if it does, they have a very minuscule view of that. You know, well, yes, regeneration is necessary, but nothing else is. And, you know, people may or may not believe. They may or may not repent. Um, they may not turn from their sins. They may not acknowledge who Christ is. They may not have faith in Christ. They may reject all of that. And if they do, all that affects is their, what they would call timely salvation or their life in this world. It has nothing to do with their eternal salvation. And, and, who that's really against, of course, to me, that's against Christ, but who that's an indictment against is the Holy Spirit. So this is zooming way out, and it's very simplistic, but, but I want to say it as we think about all these things about the Holy Spirit tonight. So when we think about soteriology and we zoom way out, which soteriology is just salvation of God's people, the study of salvation, when we think about God the Father, we say that God the Father chose people. He, he made a plan. He was the architect. He chose people that he determined to save because his love was on them. Now, can we understand that 100%? No. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, we really can't. But God chose a people. God the Son provided the sacrifice. He did the work. Uh, Brother Zach always said that uh, God the Father was the architect and God the Son was the builder. He built the house. Well, then if, if you believe that's all there is to it, you're leaving out one person of the Trinity, which also has a very important role in salvation, which is that has to be applied to us. And it's, it's very important, I believe, that it is applied. So a lot of what we're studying in Romans will go hand in hand with this. Um, that the application of redemption is actually a very, very important thing 
And that's the work of the Holy Spirit when we talk about um, how we are saved, how we are made right with God, is that the Holy Spirit applies Christ to us. He gives us spiritual life. He applies Christ to us, and he illuminates God's word. He reveals sin in us uh, so that we repent and, and have faith. That's what conversion is, is faith and repentance. And I don't I personally don't believe that all that was settled at the cross, and it doesn't matter what happens after that. I don't believe that. I believe what our forefathers in the 1689 London Confession have believed, that that has to be applied to us. And, and that is a very important work. So uh, we don't want to leave the Holy Spirit out when we talk about the gospel and about how we are saved. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of kind of where we're headed. Um, I think... Uh, once again, this is a lot of information at one time. We are out of time, but if you have a question that takes two minutes, we'll take it. Any questions? Yes, sir. Just like, I think the easy way to talk about that one, which we will get into it in more detail later on, there's a lot of people also that think Jesus shows up on the scene in the New Testament. Yeah. It's not true at all. That's not true at all. But a lot of people just kind of have it in their mind that, well, when Christ is born in Bethlehem, then the Son of God's now on the scene. It was God the Father in the Old Testament. It was God the Son during the time when Christ's ministry was on the earth, when he was, was here, and now it's the Holy Spirit's time. That's not true. Um, we see Christ in the Old Testament. We see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We see God the Father in the New Testament. Um, so it's just an, a, a false view. But absolutely, yes, I, I agree with that 100%. Anyone else? Yes. No, that, that, I didn't even, I'm glad you said that. I meant to mention that when I put all those names up there. The reason I didn't put Holy Ghost is because Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost are really the same thing. I mean, it's just interchangeable. So, and I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that. I did mean to put that actually even on the slide, and I didn't. So, if you put down Holy Ghost, that counts as a name. So you can add to your total. I see some people giving high fives back there. They got one more point on the points that don't mean anything. So, <laughs> any other question? That's a good question. Um, once again, this is. Uh, you may have a bunch of questions um, because this is really quick, really big overview. So what we're going to do, start doing now is taking kind of one more smaller aspect at a time 
going through that as we go. Sometimes we may have the PowerPoint, sometimes we may not. Um, I do want us to do sometimes where we do some groups. So hopefully that doesn't make anybody uncomfortable. If it does, you can tell me privately and, and I'll let you know when we're gonna do that. <laughs> but uh, I promise we won't put you on the spot or embarrass anybody. Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, but you can love the person. Yes. And that's yes. Why it's so great to me that the Holy Spirit is a person that I love. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't. I don't know him about. He has a lot of power, but I know nothing about him being a force. Uh, right. Okay. So I just want to say that. Yes. Absolutely. That's a. It's a beautiful thing if we really think about it in the right way. We think of Jesus Christ as a person, and we say, I love Jesus, and I want to serve Jesus. How many times in your own life have you said, I love the Holy Spirit? I mean, we just don't, we just don't say that a lot, but, but there's, you know, uh, it's because we don't think of it in the right way. We need to get our minds straight about who He is. Who He is, not what He is. All right, any other questions? All right.